still remember actually driving down the road and he's driving, I'm in the passenger seat and he goes, you're a lot like a Peter and I'm a lot like a Paul. And I was like, I'm about to punch your face. Because I knew what he was saying. Because what did Peter do? Just, ah, chop off your ear. <laughs> I was so offended. I was like, I already hate everything that we do in ministry. Now you're calling me the worst one in the Bible aside from Jezebel. What in the world? Pastor Brian here with the Oak School Leadership. Today, I get the privilege, the honor of introducing our podcast today, which is a little different than normal. Usually, we have a guest here in the studio, but today we have a talk that Pastor Sue gave to our Oak School Leadership students a few weeks ago in one of our Oaks Leadership lunches. And we have about these, maybe seven or eight of these every semester for our students. And it's just an incredible time of teaching by one of our pastors on staff or a guest. And this happened to be her talk and everybody loved it. And so we thought you would love it too. So in fact, we're pretty confident you're gonna love it. So anyway, without further ado, here it is. Today for our leadership lunch session, I'm, you're gonna just learn a little bit about me. I'm gonna stand up for a minute. So you're gonna learn a little bit about me. I, um, the way I, relate to speakers uh, is, is that I feel more comfortable with them when I know a little bit more about them. So I always enjoy it when a speaker comes and lets me in on their life a little bit. And some of you have seen me and you know me as someone who may say, send text or emails, or you know that I'm the program director for the Oak School Leadership, but I don't have a lot of uh, Tuesday, Thursday or Sunday interaction with you or Wednesday night. And so I just wanted to take this opportunity to let you guys in on a little bit of who I am and who my family is, which includes Pastor Brian, who is teaching right now at Sagu because he would be here and he'd share in this experience, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to speak for him. Um, and then just to let you know a little bit of my leadership journey. So a lot of times we hear messages that are Lots of cool one-liners, powerful one-liners or three-point outlines. And those have a good place in speaking. But today, it's going to be a little more narrative form. And so for those of you who have been in Old or New Testament studies, you may have learned a little bit about what narrative means. And in fact, a lot of our biblical text is written in narrative form. You don't see a whole lot of um, bullet-pointed kind of take-home messages. But what you are reading is a story. And there's something very interesting about hearing a story and very relatable because a lot of us, even though we're different personalities and we're on different paths and we have different callings, there are certain things along the way that we can still relate to with one another. So I just wanna share a little bit about uh, of that with you today. So let's start with a picture of the Brooks family. If you work in kids ministry or youth, you probably have seen us. This is about a year and a half old, a year and a half? That's us. Brian and Sue, Ellie, Evan, Ava, Aaron, and Ian. That's five. So ready? There's Ellie. She's 14 and in the ninth grade. She'd be like, mom, seriously. Stop it. So some of y'all are Ellie's small group leaders. Thank you. 
<laughs> oh, Ellie Jess was uh, Midlothian High School made all state for UIL all state uh, with the band, marching band. So she was just in San Antonio. That was so fun. They uh, they did great. They didn't they didn't get to the finals. Only 20 schools out of 254 made it to the finals. But my goodness, they were in the top anyway. So here is Evan. Evan's about to be 13 years old, which is crazy. Some of y'all are Evan small group leaders. Yes, you guys, I just appreciate you all so much. So that's Evan. Evan likes percussion. Did someone say Redskins fan? Yeah, yeah he's, a, yeah, yeah. We're Brooks, so, yeah. <laughs> yes, Evan does percussion and he loves to play basketball. This is, yeah, this is Ava. <laughs> Ava's 11. She's like in the middle of doing something in this picture, but they snapped the picture anyway. So that's Ava. She went down with me to San Antonio. We made it a mother-daughter trip, which was really significant for me because um, with five kids, it's not always easy to get large spans of one-on-one -on -one time. There are several minutes of precious time, and that is really meaningful in and of itself. But to be able to have a few days just with Ava was really sweet. Um, some of you know Ava because you work with her in Kidsmen. And here is Aaron. Aaron is like, a <laughs> that is typically the response. Yes, so Aaron's a sweetheart. He's a real tender boy, very funny. He's a boy, so he likes disgusting things and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Uh, he's super creative, too. And if you see any pictures of Pastor Brian when he was a kid, they look very much like Aaron. And this is Ian. Ian is now seven years old. Oh, Aaron's eight. So Ian is now seven years old, and he's very goofy, in case you, you couldn't tell. He's real quiet when you first meet him, and, and maybe even a few years after, right, Taylor? Uh, pretty shy, but he's actually really very silly. So that's Ian. And here they are, loving each other. It does not always look like that. That was a pose picture. Usually they're touching, but it's in a wrestle formation. <laughs> so that's them right there. I don't remember what picture I have next. Oh, this is a little, this, we take a picture on the first day of school. We usually take a nice one and then a goofy one. This is transitioning into the goofy a little bit. If you notice, Ian's kind of doing something funny. So we, that's a first day of school picture. Oh, that's this year. So this is the more up-to-date picture of the kids. So Pastor Brian and I got married in 2003. And then in 2005, was, Ellie was born, and we just kept having babies because we were just, that was always the plan. We were going to have, well, I said I wanted 13 children, Baker's, a baker's dozen. I was totally joking, like, hey, yo, 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 keep it quiet. What if I actually did? And you just hurt my feelings. <laughs> no, um, I said a baker's dozen. Now, listen, my mother wanted, she knew that she either wanted to be a nun. She was raised Catholic. She knew that she either wanted to be a nun or she wanted to get married and have like 12 kids. So, <laughs> so it's not too far from the influence that I had growing. She ended up having six. I'm the only girl and I have five brothers and it's, they're all from the same parents. Um, so I was accustomed to being around a large family. Um, anyone here in a large family, like four five, six or so kids. Yeah. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Um, well, Pastor Brian, um, it was just him and Pastor Clayton. So Brian said he wanted between two and four children. And so we compromised and had five. So, uh, but, but really, really, after each one, it became apparent that parenting really is a very special thing. It is, 
It is an, a tremendous blessing. It's very challenging, but it is incredibly blessing. And if you want to get sanctified really fast, get married and have a baby. And then like have another one. But it just, if you, if you guys know what that means, sanctified, getting a little more pure and holy and shedding off the things that would hold you behind and, and the sin that so easily entangles all that. So yeah, if you want to be sanctified, have a kid. You're gonna, you might think you're something else. Have a kid, you'll realize you actually have a bad temper. You uh, are very selfish and all those things. So it really honestly is such a good refining thing. All right, uh, next one. Oh, this is a video to show you what it's like having kids. Now, some of you in the front can actually see what this says. So after the video plays, you can read what it says. But this is a little bit of what my life is like on a normal day if I go outside and my kids and the neighbors are playing in the uh, driveway. Let's see if it plays for you guys. So I just stepped outside to check on my kids who are playing basketball with their friends and I found this written in chalk on my driveway. I love, I love two. Y'all can read. Y'all can read. I'm not going to say it. Who did that? Y'all see what that says? Did you, what did it say? <laughs> I just thought I'd see this really cute message in chalk on my driveway, but they were like, the neighbors did it. I said, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if the neighbors did. I'm not so sure. I think the next picture is maybe me as a kid. Try not to be jealous. So, nope. Yeah, there you go. If you... Sue. That's, that's when I was Susan Hennefeld. That's, that was my maiden name. Hennefeld. That's a German name. I will beat you up. Yeah, that's how I dressed, so I'm just going to leave that there and take it in. If you're on Instagram, you already knew that was a part of my life. I try to do a little bit better now. But um, it's pictures like these that help me to understand that when my children make outfit choices, I should probably be a little bit laid back because I feel like it turned out all right and that they will too. Let's see. I think this one might be. Oh, anyone in Missionettes or Impact Girls? Any girls? Hello, I think I might have shown this last year, you know. How about boys and rangers? Any boys and rangers? <laughs> yeah, I want it to be... Power. <laughs> All right, well, so I was, I was an a honor star in my church growing up. This is my friend. So I am on your right, and my friend Melissa is on my left. And um, there we are. I grew up in Virginia Beach, Virginia. So I grew up really close to the beach on the coast. It was really nice. I grew up in a military family. So my dad was in the Navy. He uh, was a lieutenant commander. He was a weapons officer, and he worked on submarines, and he was a torpedo man. And he would tell you that a lot of times, I don't know how well you know your history, but the Cold War is oftentimes called a war of words or that there was not a whole lot of action but just a lot of threats. And he said, it wasn't as cold as you think it was because under the water things were happening. And he said, none of that has been declassified yet, and I won't tell you. Uh, but, but then one day he handed me a book, and he said, but someone squealed. So if you want, read the book Blind Man's Bluff. And he handed me the book, uh, and, my, and my dad is really sweet. All the cuss words were marked out in permanent <laughs> marker because he didn't want my eyes defiled. I was, I was 22. That's all right. <laughs> So, yeah. So, yeah, we were crown stars. And this is a young Pastor Brian and Pastor Sue. That's us. Woo! 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 That, someone else said it almost looks like Instagram. Or, well, I actually think I might have put it on Instagram, so it's a square. But do you mean it actually looks like? 
Yeah, I like your feedback, Dalen. <laughs> um, yeah, it actually wasn't a selfie. I think my mom took it. So this was actually taken the day after he proposed to me. Now we were, so we had, let's see, we had worship rehearsal and I'm kind of getting ahead of myself in timeline, but I'll just tell you this. We had a worship rehearsal on Friday nights. And so that's what I, we were there on a Friday night and he had told me that we were going to be going um, out, I think to DC or something for dinner. We're going to go out to a nice dinner afterwards. And he was acting kind of silly the whole night, but I thought he was just being dumb, you know, but I went home to change for this dinner. So I went home and put on some nice clothes and I did not eat. So I was hungry and ready for dinner. And when I got to the church, I walked up and there was like a string of lights going from the door into the sanctuary. And there were like flower petals and like little, no, it was lights, not candles. And then there was a table with candles. And one of our friends um, who was also on the worship team, his name was Scott, it still is Scott. He was taking pictures. <laughs> he was taking pictures and I thought, oh, this isn't dinner. Well, maybe there is still dinner, but something's happening. And Brian proposed to me. And it was very exciting. Yeah, thank you. I'm glad you're glad we're married. So, yeah, so then after that, he goes, I just remember sitting there and you're looking at my ring and like, has it, anyone that's recently got engaged or been engaged, do you just feel like literally everybody can see your ring? You're like, I know you can see it. And you're just like, mm, you're blind, right? Yes, all the time. You drive, mm. It's like that. So I was admiring it. And he goes, you know, Sue, now the, hard, now the hard part begins. And I thought, like, already? Like, what are you talking about? And he goes, now we have to call everybody. Does that sound foreign to you? We actually had to make a phone call to tell people that we were engaged. We couldn't post it on social media. We didn't text anybody. We phone called people. So I was like, ha. Huh. So, um, but then that was it. We didn't actually get dinner. <laughs> so I went home and my mom was like, so how was it? I said, I'm so excited. I'm also like really hungry. Can I eat something? And then we'll talk about it. So no, it was just such a beautiful time. Well, anyway, the next day, part of what I did in helping with the church, because Brian back up, he was there to pastor and it was a church revitalization. Some crazy things had happened in the church. Um, they had gone through a couple pastors already. There were some moral failures and then some just other crazy stuff. And the district superintendent of the Potomac district out there, uh, we were in the Potomac district, um, asked Brian if, if he would come and help with this church. And then they asked him if he'd be the pastor. And so that's where, you know, then I met him. Um, but I cleaned the church on the weekends. So Friday night we were engaged and Saturday morning I was there to clean it all up. All the rose petals, <laughs> all the lights. Well, and then he was doing an, evangel an evangelistic outreach. So it was totally cool. But I say that not to diss on my husband. I say that to say, careful with your expectations. Because it's really easy to go through people's things and be like, but you hired a cameraman and you had a helicopter land and, and this and that. And the news was there, like literally. And um, so guys, let me release you from that. And women, let me just say, you're, if your guy loves you, be okay with how he proposes to you when it's your time. So anyway, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, granted, I don't think most people were doing proposals like that back then. I mean, if you wanted to get married, you asked and then you got married. So um, I do love, it is really fun. And I'm not saying 
also, I want to make sure that I'm saying I'm not dissing on anybody's elaborate engagement. I did not, honestly, didn't have anybody in mind. Um, but it's really, really fun to look at those. But sometimes people don't have the resources to do it. And I think it comes down to that foundational, if you truly love somebody, then regardless of what it looks like when that, that proposal is made, it's going to be all right. So that's me and Brian. Um, I think this is that. Yeah, I don't want to go there yet. Okay. So how many of you grew up in an Assemblies of God church? I'm interested. Can you put your hand up? So a majority of the room, how about Pentecostal or Charismatic? Hopefully, if you, if you don't know what that means. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, okay. He's proving it. He's proving it. So maybe not AG, but maybe Pentecostal Charismatic. Okay. So a lot of the room. So I grew up in an Assemblies of God church. As you know, you saw me. I was a... Uh, uh, in Star, I was in Missionettes. How many of you were in a church about like 200 or less? Same. Yeah, so there's a good number of you guys. Uh, 100 or less? Well, I guess 200 or less falls in that. Yeah, 100 or less? Yeah. So that's the environment I grew up in too. It was a smaller church. And so when I was younger, there was a lot, I had a lot of opportunities to help. And I think a lot of that was, I know here our intention is to help students grow. You know, we, we have junior volunteers at the Oaks. So once you're eight years old, you're allowed to help. And they prefer if you're with a, a parent too. And, and part of the volunteers, the adult volunteers role is to help guide that child along. Well, I think, you know, with, for me in a 200 and under church, it was more out of necessity, like, uh, can you help? And so I really enjoyed doing that. So some of my early leadership opportunities um, centered around helping in kids' ministries, so I would help in the nursery. I would help when we would have revival services or an evangelist come from out of town. And those tended to always go very late, but it was really fun. I enjoyed doing that. Um, when I was a little bit older, I helped in what was called missionettes, but it's now called Impact Girls. And I have some just funny stories from that. You learn a lot of leadership when you're working with a young kid. Alyssa, I just told you this the other day. I remember a little girl, I think she was in Prims. Is Prims eight, about eight years old? Yeah, yeah, okay. So I remember her. So I had gotten home from school. I was in high school. And I think took a quick nap. I didn't have time to do much. I just ate real quick. And then it was time to go to church. So I remember driving to church and sitting down on the floor like in a circle with these little prims. And I'm telling them a story. I'm teaching them about Jesus. I'm like so ready for this. And this sweet little girl goes, Miss Sue. And I thought, she is so cute. She's going to ask, I know she's going to ask me the sweetest little question. And I get, I said, yeah. And she goes, your breath really stinks. <laughs> ah, yes. <laughs> so they are so humbling. I learned so many good things like brush your teeth before you go and try to teach children because they're telling you the truth. But that's what I love about children. They will tell you the truth. So if you want some feedback on how you're leading, maybe serve with children or are youth as, do you feel like youth, are youth interns, do you feel like they're as honest with you? Yeah? Yeah, really? I know I'm, I get a lot of honesty from my youth, but destroys my self-esteem. I say, before you have children, make sure you got your, self, your uh, self-esteem under, underway or they will destroy it for you. You got to know who you are in Jesus before you have like a 14-year-old because they'll just tell you like it is. So, oh, and then I did some uh, street, street ministry. Have you guys ever done street evangelism? Like sidewalk, uh, sidewalk ministries and things? Those were really fun. 
And then because I live near D.C., um, I was able to do D.C. You guys know, um, shoot, now what's it called? Mark Batterson's church. National Community Church. We helped in that church, I think, like the first year it it formed. I remember helping them distribute groceries to people who needed groceries, and then we helped run a children's service or two. And so that was a lot of fun. So then I went to college. Now, I do want to say that picture of me on the bike, it was only about two years later that I learned I was going to be an aunt for the first time. So let me give you some background information. I told you I have five brothers. So the oldest one is 16 years older than I am. And then the one under that's 15 years. So there's a, there's a considerable age gap between me and my older brothers. So one of them was already married, and then they were expecting a baby by the time I was eight. So by the time I was nine, she was born. So from a really early age, I had a passion for children. I, I just loved being around them. I wanted to study them. I, I enjoyed figuring out how their little minds worked. And so by the time I graduated from high school, I wasn't quite sure what I was going to do, but I did know that I loved children. Now, in Virginia, you can't get an education degree. I don't know if you know that, but at the undergrad level, you cannot get an education degree. You have to get a degree in something else, and then you go on and you can get your master's in education or, you can, and, or go on and then do the extra work for your certification and your license. So I studied psychology. We have psych major in here. I know Ken... Ken, you didn't change your major, did you? Anyone else? Any, someone else? Yeah, okay, you're a psych major? That's a fun major. So that was my major, psychology. And I worked, so the reason I did psych was I would do psych early childhood, and then I would go on and get a master's in education, because if I was going to do the ex, extra work anyway, I may as well get my master's. So while I was in undergraduate work, I learned that I really loved empirical research, and I loved statistics. I never thought that I would, but I really enjoyed it. And so I got very involved with my, uh, one of my professors and then in helping to run experiments and research. And then I would travel and present them at conferences. Well, there was a uh, friend of mine who actually happened to be boyfriend at the time who didn't have that major and didn't really have that drive for academia that I did. And would often say to me, just basically hint, like, you just need to, like, settle down with this extra work you're doing. Don't you know that God doesn't call the equipped? He equips the called. And I just remember thinking, like, I think there's some truth in that. But I don't know. Like, I really like this. And I feel like I need to do this. This is academically advantageous for me. I can go somewhere with this. I can do something with this. And frankly, it's fun. And it's a fun, too, to get an in on with your professors and then your peers who are like-minded. And it's fun to travel. I got to go to Boston and present research at a big conference. Um, but I just remember thinking that something doesn't quite sound that right with that, but I didn't really have the words. But it was later that I realized, all right, God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. But that four years was my equipping. He had called me. And so my time in college was my equipping. And it wasn't a waiting around just to get this degree done so that I could go and do the thing that I knew I wanted to do. So I want to encourage you that if you're growing weary in doing your work and your, and your program, uh, it, within your program, within your degree program, I want to encourage you that this is your equipping time. And so don't waste it. 
And don't let people get down on you. And, and don't think either that your experience is more important than your academics. Because I did love traveling and doing, it was extracurricular for me. I didn't have to do it. But I loved doing it. But I couldn't neglect the work that I was being held accountable for. So while you're doing your internship work, your hours, your physical hands-on things, do not neglect the other responsibilities that you have at SAGU. Some of you are not at SAGU, you're at another university, or you're in another job, or you have other responsibilities. What I'm saying is manage your time and your expectations so that you're doing equally as well in both of them. And so, but it just didn't click with me, and I mean, I just did it anyway, and we broke up, so. <laughs> I got Brian, it's all right. So, um, yes. So, let me tell you a little bit then about what it was like to be the wife of a pastor in a church revitalization. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> so some of you heard a little bit of my story last year. I'm not going to recap all that now. But you know I had a lot of stuff to deal with by the time I met Brian. There was a lot of stuff I had to deal with. When I met Brian, I remember, well, not even when I met Brian, what happened was my fit. Anyone in here, your parents moved after you started college, like moved to state or a city or a country? Yes. Okay, my parents did that too. So they moved a city. And so there was this whole city that I knew nothing about. And it was in my third year. So I, I got to learn a new city on the, on the breaks and things like that. And it was then that I met Brian because they were finding a new church. And um, I began helping with worship and with children's ministry. Because they needed help with worship and children's ministry. And those were two things that I knew I could do. With worship, it was more like me mentally kicking and screaming the whole way through. I did not want to do it. I enjoyed music. I loved vocal performance. I could play the guitar and piano a little bit. But to do it all at the same time, well, not guitar and piano at the same time. Don't do that. But to play and to sing and to lead someone in worship at the same time, dealing with the stuff I had been dealing with was quite a task for me to do and it was not enjoyable and I felt convicted every time. I also felt incredibly inadequate. I didn't want to do that. I felt more comfortable with children. I remember Pastor Brian one time preaching a sermon. I didn't even know him really well and I don't know if I've got this right but the concept is still going to be the same. He told a story now we're not dating at this time. He told a story about Alexander the Great and he said that so, you know, he's like this major conqueror, right? Huge reputation, like you don't mess with Alexander the Great. That dude doesn't fail. He's intimidating. Don't even try. Um, so the story is that there was another man who carried the same name, but he was a coward. And so what he was doing was he was going around carrying the same name, Alexander, with a very different reputation, and what was happening is people were associating his cowardice with the actual Alexander the Great. So this is in the sermon. And so he said Alexander the Great had the other Alexander come up to him and said, you bring him up to me. We're going to find out what's going on. And he says, I heard you've been a coward. You've been running away from battle instead of conquering in battle. And the, the other Alexander is like petrified. Like um, this is like the end of my life right now. But Alexander the Great says to him, you change your conduct or you change your name. And in that sermon, it was almost like a salvation experience for me. Because I thought, Sue, 
you had better change your conduct or change your name. It was really convicting for me. And I knew that I had to make a decision, so I decided to change my conduct because I wasn't going to change the name Christian, follower of Christ. So that was a turning point for me. And then um, through the course of time, Brian and I were talking with another, and I thought, that right there is the kind of leader that I want to be associated with and to marry. So I dumped my boyfriend because uh, I found a new one. Uh, and then I dumped him. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. And then, long story short, Brian and I got married. So I'm coming into marriage. Now, I said I would never marry a pastor, ever. Because the guy who had told me, come on, God, God, equips the God doesn't call the equipped, he equips the called. He wanted to be a pastor. And the way he made it sound was, like, so boring. I mean, honestly, he was like, I just want like a nine to five job and to sit home, get at home and sit down on the couch and read the newspaper. And I thought, you're lame. Like, I don't want to do that. I stuck with him for like a year and a half. But anyway, uh, and then I didn't want to marry a guy with, who was tall and had blonde hair and blue eyes. I had all these lists of things that I didn't want. But you guys have seen Brian. So, um, and Brian knows, if, and if you've heard this before, Brian knows, like, I have his permission to say this because he knows how much I love him. I said those things out of hurt. I said those things out of hurtful relationships and then just annoyance too. And what God showed me through my relationship with Brian is that he will redeem the hurt that you've had. And we make sometimes these inner, inner vows, like I've experienced this, so I'll never let it happen again. We might not even tell other people, but we internalize it. You know, I've seen this, this happened to me, I'm never gonna let it happen again. But in my marriage to Brian, God showed me, no, I'm going to redeem this for him. I'm going to redeem pain. And so there have been so many things like that in my life where God has taken sometimes even a memory that I've had of a, like a horrible thing that's happened. And he's replaced a memory by almost reenacting it, but with a different outcome in reality, uh, you know, at some point later. So let's get to some stories. I want to tell you some stories about what it was like for me. I wrote a couple of them down. Okay, so in ministry, I remember, okay, <laughs> I'm trying to think of which one to tell you first. I remember one time, now keep in mind, it's not like even I went to school to do this. I, it's not like I wanted to be in ministry. I kind of just fell in my lap. Um, so I was in charge of the children's ministry, and there was a woman who was regularly inconsistent and was responsible for teaching a class. And I just held a big training that there was an excuse for why she couldn't come to the training. And then there was the materials given to her and there was an excuse for why she couldn't give the materials. So on this one Sunday morning in the hallway, we're about to go worship. She's also on the worship team because if you're in a small church, a lot of times you do everything. So we're both on the worship team. We're both working with children, and she approaches me just a couple minutes before service. She goes, hey, Sue, what am I supposed to be teaching on? And I'm like, are you serious? I said, well, I sent the materials out to you. Did you get them? She goes, no, I'll just wing it. And I just, like, really in it, like, I think, I hope, I kind of wish I had a camera to go back, but I also would rather forget it. But I said, I would rather you not wing it. And she looked at me and went, you know, you really irritate the crap out of me, Sue in the hallway while people were coming into the lobby. And I was like, oh. And I found the nearest room, and it was right next to me, and I went to it, shut the door, and I cried, and I cried, and I cried, because I was only 
22 years old, and, um, and she was in her probably 50s and said that to me. So for me, whether she was right or wrong, she was an authority figure with her finger in my face telling me I irritated the crap out of her in front of everybody who was coming into the church, which is a small church so everybody can see what's going on. So that was really hurtful. And because I was a worship leader, I was like, okay, okay, that's fine, that's fine. I took her mic and I put it in a closet. I was like, she's not leading worship today. <laughs> oh, yes, I did. We did not need her. It's okay. <laughs> we did not need that attitude. I was more pure in heart. No, I'm just kidding. I, I, I'm just, it was just the awkwardest thing. Um, so another, another funny thing is when Brian and I had our first baby, who is Ellie, I had Ellie on a th- Friday, I think an early Friday morning. I went on a Thursday, had her on a Friday. So it meant I was going to be recovering so I wasn't there on a Sunday but Brian had to be there on the Sunday and I remember thinking like it's our first baby there's really nobody else who could speak and really there was nobody else who could speak so I made the mistake of when he came back after uh, after service of saying so how'd it go I should never have asked that question I should have just been like "Eh." And he was very honest with me, and it's not his fault, but he knows that when I ask him a question, I really, 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 really want to know the answer. Please tell me now, tell me now, tell me now. I'll keep asking if you don't tell me. So he told me, and in, for the worship that, that Sunday, the guy who was put in charge in my place, there was a friend who came in from out of town who was a vocalist and could lead worship. So he had the friend lead vocals that Sunday. Well, another woman who was on the team, who was a vocalist, a background vocalist, got so irritated that she made a scene in front of the worship team and cussed at him and left and just left them in the dark in front of the guest and on the day that my baby was like only two days old. So these are the kind, this is like my first experience in ministry. I'm like, I literally hate this. And we're like, barely after a year into this ministry. So um, I have a funny one about worship too. So we had a table, just like kind of a makeshift table. Maybe it's plywood. Is that the ones that are like? (laughs) And it's like, it's all clumped together, the wood particles. I'm looking at like men. Oh, all the ladies know it's plywood. All right, thank you. Okay, so, so it's just kind of like plywood sitting on top of some like support. No joke. This is the funniest thing. We're, we're in one side of the room, and we're practicing worship, la, 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 and we look over, and this man in the church, I don't know what kind of saw it was, but it was portable, and the dude actually was like, and he cut off this side of the table that was hanging that nothing was on, and then we're just like, praise Jesus, what is happening? This is so weird. It was just weird. It was just weird. It was just weird. Anyone grow up in a church and have seen things like that? All right. So there, I don't want them to be a surprise to you. You can, you can one day laugh at these things. But I'm, I'm telling you all the horror stories because I, I want you to just be, uh, to know that when things happen and come your way, you can be like, well, Sue Brooks, maybe I can talk to her about this. So, um, so one time I remember being out of town and kind of just weary at this point. We're years in, I think I was pregnant with a third baby at this time. And I was in Virginia Beach because the church I grew up in was having its 25th anniversary or more. It was a special anniversary. So I went down to celebrate that. 
And I remember getting a phone call from Brian that a man on the board had invited him over to his house. And by the end of the meeting, it was more fingers in the face and cussing out my husband. And he had also had had board, uh, secret board meetings held behind his back. Well, just to just to just to berate him, you know, behind his back. So these are some unhealthy things that happen in ministry. But you know, they happen more often than I think we know. They really do. I want to encourage you to know that you're in a healthy place, and I'm so thankful for it. And I want you to understand that the reason Pastor Brian and I are so passionate about what we do is because we've lived some really strange things, and we don't want that to happen to you. We want you to be in a healthy and in a thriving environment where you can hear these stories and know how to deal with them when they come, but that you can also have an expectation that is, that is higher, that's not unrealistic, but that is acceptable. We don't lower our expectations. We don't lower our standards just because a place isn't as healthy as it could be. So in that time also, one of the tragic things that happened was we had, you know, we're in a church. This church was probably closer to like 100 or less. So it's smaller than the church I even grew up in. At some point, we had several moves that uh, location changes. So we were in um, many different buildings, and that was just a stressor. But um, we had four very close people to us die in less than two years, maybe even less than one and a half years. Um, so two of them were older in age, although one was very sudden. Um, and then one of them was, I'm older than he is now. I think at the time he was 34, 35. He was um, born with a condition that he knew he wouldn't live to be a very long age, and he had had a heart transplant, and then he died. Um, and there, there was an interesting thing there where we believed in healing, and so we would pray for that because that's what he wanted us to pray for. And because we had that belief system, now he had a special request. He wanted Brian to do his funeral, and he wanted me to sing at the funeral, and his family totally shut the, all of us off. Um, regardless of his request. Now, he wasn't alive, and it is more about the family. But these are some things that happened. And then one was uh, a friend of ours who had three young children. I think the oldest one was only 16. I think it was like 16, 13, and 10. And she, she had gone through a battle for a couple years, and then she ended up dying. So we walked through, how do you explain to a child that although we prayed for healing and that although we believed for healing and that though there were many who gave prophetic words about healing, it never happened for their mom. So those were some of those, those real challenges that happened. And for me, I think there were a couple things that for me that made this extra hard. They, you know, you're watching people close to you die, literally one after the other really fast. In the meantime, I'm giving birth like one after the other really fast. And I'm living in a place that I, I don't know this place. And frankly, Brian doesn't either because he's not from that area either. And uh, it just it really wore me out. Now, we did not leave the church because we were worn out. But uh, we did, when we knew it was time to go, we came here uh, to Texas, and then Brian worked for SAGU for a time. So then the challenges got even more fun. Then we started having marital problems. <laughs> so there was one time, now the resources back then weren't quite what they are now, and um, we couldn't really just, 
it was hard to find counsel and like YouTube videos weren't even really that popular. You couldn't find, they weren't really used for resourcing, you know? And so I remember one time, the, our marriage was just really struggling. So late at night, I remember rolling over and being like, you're such a punk, uh, turning over. And I type in my phone, I type marriage, Google, I'm Googling this, marriage, big fat piece of crap. And then I felt really bad. I was like, Sue, you're a follower of Jesus. I actually thought this. So I, I got back on my phone and I was like, oh, Christian marriage, big fat piece of crap. <laughs> I really couldn't find anything. It was awful. It was so awful. So uh, I wish there had been more resourcing, but there just wasn't. Now, I do feel like God was, he was faithful in that search. Eventually, I did find something that was really helpful, but uh, it wasn't easy, that's for sure. And you know, honestly, I'm going to say this. I think that even with all the resourcing that's available, it doesn't necessarily mean that things are going to be easy. I'm, I, I want you to know I'm not saying your life is so much easier than than ours because with that comes its own challenges. So, um, but I just want you to know that when I was, oh, I forgot my Bible. Hold on a second. I'm going to get my Bible. Okay, sorry, yeah. Okay, so the Lord put, put in my heart a scripture. It's so important that you guys memorize scripture. He put in my heart um, the love for 2 Corinthians 4, 8 through 12, and I'm going to read it for you. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be seen and our bodies. Now it goes on, and the context is actually a physical, a literal physical danger of death and persecution and torture and all these things. But I remember at a young age, in, well, in high school, memorizing that verse. Actually, Daryl Evans had a song with that verse. If you guys, I know some older folks know who <laughs> Daryl Evans is, but he had a song about, and it, it was based off of this verse, but it became like my verse, my life verse in that season. But but do you see what it says? We are, hold on, hold on, I'll find it. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but we are not driven to despair. And we are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. And if you can let that sink deep down in your heart, then whatever you face in ministry, you can have that confidence that you don't need to be in despair. You're not going to be crushed and you certainly will not be abandoned by God. So I tell you these to be comical, but also they actually really happened and they were very frustrating. But I tell you to say, you're going to encounter things in ministry that are hard. And you're in a real fun season where you get to be around peers. But I think you've heard, I don't know if any of you listened to Alan Orcutt's podcast over the last week. He has incredible testimony. Because the truth is a lot of times, for those of you who are graduating and about to go off, a lot of times you leave that place and suddenly you're, you're looking around and you're thinking, where's my support? Where are my friends that can, I can call up? Where's the healthy environment? Where's everything that I used to know, the culture I became so accustomed to, I'm, I feel completely lost. And you might be surrounded by people, but you can feel very lonely. So I want you to know that when, if or when those times come, you're not alone. And I want you to know that when you see leaders, your 
internship directors, the pastors around you, those of you who are sitting here who are adults, when you see us and them, know that we are approachable. Know that. Know that we haven't had this cotton candy life. We really haven't. There are things deep inside of each of the leaders that are surrounding you that you can pull from and that they can help you and sit down with. Not everyone has the chance to verbalize all that, the, all those things in a group setting like I just have some of our experiences. And then some of those stories is actually not appropriate too. So I encourage you to along the way seek an, a leader who can help you in that way. But also make sure it's a healthy leader. Get to know their story because not every leader is healthy. We just did an interview with Dr. Rosedahl who came out of a spiritually abusive situation when he and his wife were, were first saved. There is such a thing. There are such things as really unhealthy leaders who are very domineering and dominating and don't you ever question me and we have to do it this way or else you're being defiant and you're being wrong. So find someone, but get to know them and, and look for red flags, but also know that there are plenty of healthy ones out there that you can trust. I do want to, I've talked for a long time, so I want to give you guys a chance to think of any questions you might have about our journey. I didn't go through a whole lot of it. I mean, there's a, a lot in parenting that you could ask about. Start thinking now while I'm talking about parenting, about marriage, about job transitions, uh, ministry, in college, I was in a leadership program too. I don't think I mentioned that at the beginning of this. Um, but like I said, it, it was not a ministry leadership program, but I do have experience in that. So if you guys have any questions, raise your hand. I'll call on you. But while you do that, I'll sing a song. Yep. So that's a great question. I just cried about it. Honest. Oh, I'm going to say the question in the mic. So what you were asking was when you had, now sometimes you had people doing things, but then you had people, but who happened to be your leaders because they were board members in your church. And when they did things like what I just told you about, how did Pastor Brian and I handle that? And so then my answer was I cried about it. Um, Brian was in a better frame of mind, I think, for some things. I, for some things. Um, I'm not going to discount my leadership. I think I did all, I think I did fine. I just... There was just so much else going on. But Brian handled it with a lot of patience. I don't know if you've seen that man, but he is incredibly patient. He's not quick to make assumptions, and he's not quick to react. He's very quick to be silent, to contemplate, and to seek the Lord. So in those moments, I would tend to say, you better get over there and do this. Actually, I'm going to back up and tell you a story. One time, this one woman who, like, cussed because she couldn't lead worship and stormed out because she couldn't lead a worship and her husband's the one who cussed my husband out on his face. Um, she confronted my husband because the youth ministry wasn't good enough and what was he going to do about it um, and, did, and said some pretty, pretty awful things. So my husband came home early one day because he just, he needed to just process and not be in the office. So he came home and I said, what are you doing? And he told me what happened. And I said, oh no, she did not. So I took Ellie in her infant car seat. I packed her in the car seat. I plopped the baby in the van, and I drove to the woman's house. <laughs> I drove to that woman's house. God, I don't know if you should clap yet. So, oh, no, I didn't cuss her out. No. 
I, I still love your questions, but no, I did not cuss her out. And the woman was not inside. She was like, I could see her pacing her yard. And I thought, oh, she's trying to avoid me. I know it. She was already pacing, but I'm like sat there in the van. And I got out of the van. I left my baby. I left like a window down or whatever. And I, and I just stood there and I waited for her to make her lap. And of course I wasn't like, mm, I was probably just like, and she came up to me and I said, I actually said, I hear you have a problem with my husband. <laughs> and she, I actually did that. So if you thought Sue was not confronted, I mean, I guess I actually am. And she said, yes. I was like, well, why don't you tell me about it? Honestly, trying to, I really was trying to solve a problem, but I'm standing there thinking, is this an out of body experience? Am I actually doing this? And then we had the, it was a friendly conversation because also part of my nature is to, to fix things and, and make it so that people are okay and to, to hear their point and to be like, okay, this is a valid thing. So she told me all these things and I'm like, well, and thinking of ways that we can fix these things or whatever. And then I drove home and then I remember, and thankfully Ava or Ellie didn't cry during that time, but I do remember Brian one time telling me, you know, this is like later we were driving. I still remember actually driving down the road and he's driving, I'm in the passenger seat and he goes, you're a lot like a Peter and I'm a lot like a Paul. And I was like, I'm about to punch your face. <laughs> Cause I knew what he was saying. Cause what did Peter do? Just, ah, chop off your ear. <laughs> I was so offended. I was like, I already hate everything that we do in ministry. And now you're calling me the worst one in the Bible aside from Jezebel. <laughs> what in the world? So, um, so Brian handled it with a lot of patience. And um, I was either, either very confrontational or I avoided the whole thing. Typically, it was an avoidance. But no, he would take that time to pray. And I learned a lot from watching him uh, in, in the patience that he took. But a lot of times what would happen is a lot of these things happen in the heat of a moment, right? And you just have to let things settle and you just give it that time, then you can confront it appropriately. So that's typically what would happen. Interesting story about the whole Peter Paul thing is that that actually gave me a complex for a really long time. I don't know if I told him that. Maybe I should tell him before I tell you. No, I think he knows, but it gave me an identity like complex for a long time until three years ago. So, and I remember reading about Elijah. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is when um, he drenches, like they're, they're making sacrifices to Baal, I think, and they're going to have him call down fire. And he's like, oh, he's not doing it. Still not doing it. Still not doing it for your false God's not doing anything. And he goes, hey, like get this whole thing wet, like the trenches, like just drench it in water. And then God's like, and he not only devours what's there, but even every last drop of water. I've always loved that story because I think, man, the audacity and the faith and the, and I, a little bit of the, uh, you know, <laughs> that I can be sometimes. I just really love that story. And when my dad, my dad was dying, it, it's actually going to be three years tomorrow, which is crazy to think it's been that long. But when my dad was dying, I was reading a lot about, uh, in, in a book by John Bevere, there was um, a portion about Elijah. And I thought, yes, I love this. I love the faith that he had. There were so many other cool things aside from the, the one story I told you. And I remember feeling compelled to look up in the mirror. I was like in, the, in front of my sink. I look up in the mirror and I heard like very clearly, you're not a Peter, you're an Elijah. 
Now, do you guys remember a couple leadership sessions ago when, um, Gabriella, where your parents came? Girl, she says, put my cell phone down. Oops. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> you know, I'm totally calling you. I'm just messing. She didn't actually have her cell phone. Um, no, and he, he said, you're not an Elijah, you're a Peter. But it's funny because this is why I think, like, one-liners are cool. That's fine. All right. Or, or like, the whole God doesn't call the equipped, he equips the call. Okay, that's that's fine. And then also one person's story isn't yours. So for your dad, the big turning point was you're not an Elijah, you're a Peter. It was a different context in the story of Elijah. It was the Elijah who ran away after that big defeat and ran and hide. And that's not where it, now and the, the Peter was also a great Peter as the great man of faith Peter. Where for me it was Peter's this ridiculous guy who can't control his emotions, but then Elijah's the one full of faith. And so I think that's so interesting that, like, um, Gabriella, for your dad and your mom, it was you're not an Elijah, you're a Peter, but it was different parts of the story. So God told me, Sue, you're not a Peter, you're an Elijah. And I just felt so much healing in that moment because Brian wasn't trying to be hateful. He was just being honest, you know. He wasn't trying to be hateful, but it did affect the way I thought about everything that I did. And I felt then I I was so much that way, or or it was told to me that I was, that I was afraid to confront anything at any time ever, afraid to have faith, afraid to believe for miracles, afraid to pray for this or that, and just have the audacity to believe that God would do what he said he did. And that, and it was in that season where, um, where he, I feel like changed my identity a little bit. So I just wanted to share that with you. That wasn't really part of the answer, but that was interesting. Ask me anything. Yes. Yes, yeah, so the question was, those of you who are going to go out into ministry and might be in a smaller context where you are responsible for doing several things like kids and worship and what was the other thing? Just whatever. Just many, many things at once. Then how do you balance that with then your home or your marriage or your children? And it's a great question. And it's one, honestly, that you kind of work through. As you're going through it, you're going to figure it out. And it's going to be a slow process. And you would figure out in the context of marriage, you would figure out what works for you and your husband. Brian happens to be fantastic at, like, on his day off. He would tell people, this is my day off. If it's not an emergency, I will not be answering you. And sure enough, there was one guy in the church, every Friday he would text him. And Brian would be like, this is my day off. And I'd say, but Brian, he texted you. Answer him. He's so nice. And he'd be like, no, he knows it's my day off and, and it's not an emergency. Now, if the man were in the hospital, then I would definitely do that. So Brian, I think, has been better with his boundaries than, than I have, actually. And I've learned that even with work. I always thought that I'd be the one who'd be able to cut off work when I go home. And I'm actually finding that really difficult. So I would say, I would say one thing that's helped me is, is get people around you who maybe can observe you and talk through things with them. Tell them what your schedule is like. And because when we live in our own worlds, it's hard to, to see what, what it is that we're actually doing. So like there's a saying, a fish, fish don't know they're wet. They're living in the water, but they don't know they're wet till you pull them out. And they're like, okay, something's changed. So a lot of times we need that outside perspective or to step outside of ourselves or environment to really take a contemplative look to see what it is that we're really looking like to other people. This is also why Sabbath is so important. We love to observe every other commandment. 
except the Sabbath. It's insane. And I do it too. But like, we honor all of them. I wouldn't be like, ah, oh, sorry, I got to kill you today. Mm, you know, or like, mm, taking your husband, <laughs> you know, like, but we're okay not to do Sabbath. So Sabbath is really important to do because you're getting that rest. And I think when you rest your mind and the Sabbath, it's a rest, but it's intentional. Do you guys know that? Like your Sabbath is a form of worship. So you're connecting with the Lord during those rest times. Um, I would say to set those clear boundaries, Kaylor, and, and then to just get some feedback with other people. And it does take a team. There have been seasons where Brian and I have schedules that are completely opposite of one another. A lot of times, even now, we're still in that season where I come home and he leaves or or he comes home and I leave because I'm doing grad work and then he's coaching and, and doing all kinds of other things. So there are some seasons where you might actually just not see each other for a time, but that's why when it is your free time, you have to make it that. Good. Good question. So back to this board, like behind your back meeting, which by the way, he doesn't remember. I'm like, oh no, your wife remembers this very clearly. So maybe that's part of it. He just chooses to like, eh, didn't happen. But it very much happened. So how did we deal with that as a couple then? Now, we talked through it a lot. And I did express, you know, all these things. And, and he talked about, Sue, I'm, I'm not going to overreact. It's, it's what they did didn't destroy it. And the truth is it didn't destroy other things that were going on. Um, so we didn't overact, but you had, you asked a question, were you able to still love them or did you need to remove yourself from them? So I, we were able to still love them, which I think is what is really surprising in these moments. You think there's absolutely no way I could even respect you. I remember now, eventually they were then not on the board. And I think sometimes these things work themselves out by themselves. There are some times where someone does something and I think they realize, oh, Maybe that was wrong, and they kind of slowly, like, back away where, where my, maybe you don't have to confront them. Now, sometimes you do. In this case, that didn't need to happen. I remember seeing the woman in, I think, Lowe's or something one day because they, they were not at the church anymore. And I remember seeing her, and in my mind during the weeks and the months if she came up, I remember thinking, oh, I do not know if I saw her, if I could even look at her. And wouldn't he know? I walk into Lowe's one day, and it might actually might have been a grocery store, very different, but who cares? I walk into this building one day, and I see her, and I and I I'm just gonna say her name is Martha. That's not her name. Okay. I go, Martha! Ah, and I hug her and I meant it. Like, I meant it. It was so weird. And I thought, that can only be Jesus Christ in me. Because <laughs> she's, like, awful. So I just think that, I don't know, as tiring as ministry could be sometimes and as, hurt, like, deeply hurtful as it can be sometimes, if you really are, if you really love Jesus and you're really grounded in him, he's going to overflow. And I think that... This hurts coming at me, at me, at me, but inside of me was a love for Jesus, even though it's probably, I know it's stronger now than it was then, but it, it was what it was then, right? So things are coming at me. Um, offense is coming at me. By the way, offense is something that's laid down at your feet and you can choose to pick it up or not. You don't have to carry it. Boom. So, okay, so, but what was inside of me is what overflowed, and that took me by surprise. So I would say that you guys, 
I know you guys know, I know you guys love the Lord and just keep your relationship, keep in the word and, and keep a genuine spirit about your relationship with him. So when those things come, I think you're going to be surprised at how loving you can actually be. Sure. So the question was, with Pastor Brian and I both being in ministry and both being so involved and so invested in it, then when it was time to leave, how did we go about doing that and, and, and the discussions that took place and then the breaking away from it? Did I rephrase that correctly? Yes, and discerning from the time of the Lord. Well, I can answer this. Let me answer by telling you what happened. We knew, we knew something was changing, and you're going to hear this often from a lot of leaders. You just know something is in the air. It just, it's not like it doesn't feel right. It's just different, and you know there's a shift about to happen. And we knew that it was, we're very tenacious people. Like, we're, we're pressed, but we're not crushed, yo. Like, I'm not going to be destroyed, because you knock me down. Like, we won't, we're not going to give up. So we were not going to give up on the church, but we knew something different was happening. And so what happened was we just started opportunity, like things started coming our way. And then Brian was also actively like, is the Lord calling us out of this? Hmm. So he was, he made sure that he was opening his eyes in a sense, like, or figuratively opening his eyes and seeing what was available. So what's interesting is I don't think you all have ever heard this, but he, we were this close to doing naval chaplaincy. So he had, he, he was like perfectly set up to join the military as a chaplain. He was still under the age that you could join. He had a master of divinity. So at the time, he still does <laughs> Okay, so <laughs> they took it away because, no. Uh, he had a master of divinity. He had, uh, oh, he was ordained. Guys, credentialing, oh, credentialing's important. If you want to do, if you want doors to fling open for you, do the best you can where you are. And so if you're in the assemblies of God, get your credentialing and then do the best you can in there. So he was ordained. So because he was ordained, because he had a master of divinity, because he had been in active ministry as a pastor for a number of years, he was perfectly primed. We even had a casual interview with uh, the guy in Springfield who was the head over it um, for the assemblies of God. And we had on our calendar marked out it was in May. I was about to have, I don't know what baby. Oh, I was about to have Aaron. And so I knew he was going to be born soon. And Brian had this trip at the end of May. And I was like, oh, this baby's going to be due soon. So, but the trip was already blocked out. And I was mentally prepared for him to go just for his, just to like a formality, just to seal the deal. We're doing naval chaplaincy, which by the way, I felt very comfortable with because I was the child of a father who was in the Navy. Yeah. So I was really comfortable with the idea of being in that culture and also purpose in my heart and in my mind that if my husband had been gone for six months or a year, I'd, I'd be fine. Cause I knew that if my mom could do it, I could do it. And anytime I wanted to have a pity party, I could just call her and she'd be like, yeah, don't stop. So this trip that he had planned out, he then, his, his dad was going to be selling him his his car. So here in Texas, Brian's dad was going to be selling him a car. And so Brian came out to Texas to go pick that up and to drive it back. We needed an extra vehicle. While Brian, and this is right before that trip in May. So when Brian went on this quick trip before that long one that we had planned out, he got a car. He was offered a job at Sagu 
and we were given a place to live rent-free because it was his grandpa's house. But he just needed to come back for an interview the exact same week that he was going to interview, that we had planned on him to interview for a naval chaplaincy. And it was one of those things that when we heard that, we knew that, that all that prep to leave, um, even though it wasn't what we thought it was, that prep actually made it so that our hearts were primed to say, you were planning us from Texas this whole time. So that's our personal example as to how that played out. Um, so we knew a shift was happening, but we weren't going to jump ship. I, I think unless you, yeah, we weren't going to jump ship, and, but we kept our eyes open, and then we just walked into what, what we believed and we, and we prayed about. And I'm really glad that he's not deployed right now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes. Yes, yeah, so at the Oaks, we're in a culture, like, like Alex said, where we do value you as you're in, in your 20s. Um, we value the opinions that you have and the leadership that you have. And where if you're positionally in a place when you leave here that you carry a certain position and yet you're young and you're dealing with older people, how do you, how do you go about that? Because, yeah, they're not always going to be okay with what you have to say. I would say at the heart of everything you do, you have got to honor the people around you and you don't need to be, you don't, don't, the, I want you to know honor isn't being scared. So you're not scared, but you're respectful and you honor. And the truth is they have lived longer and they, and they have seen a little bit more, but the truth is sometimes people are hurt and they don't want to hear. So I would say to tread lightly and to have confidence and to be careful with the, careful with your expectations. Know that I'll, most likely you will be going into a culture like that. Now, I will say this about Brian. Hey, hey there. Good job being a professor at Zagil. So when, when Pastor Brian was pastoring, he was very young. But the other side of that, too, is now, so not everyone wants to hear what a young person has to say. I remember one time we got in a circle to pray. And this man, he was a sweet man. And I, it's like I knew he was joking, but I couldn't help my response. He said to me, you can't, what are you going to, like, you can't pray for me. You're too young. And he was joking. And he was like, ha, ha, ha. But I immediately started crying and it hurt me. And that was another thing I had to work through. Finally got rid of a couple years ago. But the other side of that is, I know with Brian, if you have a spiritual maturity about you, meaning not like you're striving to be mature, but that you have a relationship with the Lord and you're diligent, like Brian knew his Bible. People knew that when they came to Brian and they had a theological question or, you know, Brian could answer it. So Brian earned respect in that the title that he carried um, or the, the qualities that he had matched the title that he carried. Now, sometimes we're given titles and we think, I don't know if I'm qualified for this. So I would say to just, um, you know, we're to show ourselves approved. The Bible says to, to show yourselves approved. A lot of what Paul tells Timothy actually is prove it to them. Like you're young. Show, show them that you're, you're worth um, them following. A lot of times there's this in our culture, like it's just be, it's just about me and Jesus. I don't have to strive and that's good. But the Bible also clearly says, show yourself approved and, you know, and to not let anyone look down on you because you're young, but set an example in word and faith and conduct. And so I think that what we can do is not expect that too much is going to be handed of us at first, 
But if we work to show ourselves approved, then you will, you will get that. One quick one, right? I love that question. Thank you for asking that. So he's wondering how, as we were going through ministry and parenting like this, how do we manage um, being vulnerable with our children too and, and walking my walk with the Lord and our walk with the Lord and the transitions and things that were happening in ministry, but being honest with them. The really neat thing about being a parent is sometimes you're just forced to do that. So there were times where I would joke that my children saw me pray all the time because I would be so exhausted or, or, or just, oh, just over it. Now, this is out of the ministry. This is a little bit out of the ministry context because they were still really young in that season. I would say in this season, we're careful about what we say. We don't ever want to slander somebody if something's going on. We have to be more careful because they're very perceptive and they listen and you don't even know they're around the corner. And they're like, OMG, I just heard this. Uh, but in my exhaustion, oftentimes, I would actually just pray out loud. And I'd be like, God, help me. I do not know what I'm doing. I need your help. And I think through that, they saw mom's not perfect. She needs Jesus. And there were times where I would just hit the couch. I'd be standing. I'd just get on the couch and be like, oh, God, you're so good. And I don't know what to do. And they'd see that. So I just kind of naturally had to be vulnerable. There was a time where when I let a little bit of rage and just frustration get a hold of me, I actually had to write on the mirror in our downstairs bathroom in our old house in Virginia. I actually had to write, they belong to God. So whenever I saw that, I knew, don't spank your kids out of rage you know, don't be, belittle them with your words. And, and the kids, I think Ellie was old enough to read and she could see that on the mirror, mom wrote, they belong to God. And so, yeah, I, I, I walk out those vulnerable things when I overcame, when, when God delivered me of a spirit of fear, a tremendous anxiety, I was very vocal. Like, do you guys remember when mom used to freak out, like so scared all the time? Do you know what that was? Uh, the ones who are old enough to remember, you know, so there are age appropriate things. Oh, yeah. And I would tell them, God delivered me. Or when they're sick, I say, do you know that God is healer? Here, let me show you in the Bible where it says he's healer. Let's pray for you right now. We're going to command that the sickness go away in Jesus' name. And then there are so many cool times where the kids, it's happened. And they freak out and they're like, wow, I'm healed. I'm like, I know you are. And then other times they're like, I'm not healed right now. And I say, but we persist. It's okay. I don't know either. So yeah, I, I, there's a lot of verbalizing what's going on in the, in the young and old ages. And in the old, older ages is be honest, but also be careful. Because I think they can catch on to tone sometimes if we talk about certain things. Or if suddenly we're talking about someone and then we go in another room, obviously something's wrong. So like, don't do that. 